Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. I'm Rachel Olson. And we are gathered around this little Encouragement Cafe table, trying to spur one another on in our walk. Rachel, as we go through day after day, sometimes we get into not great habits and we can make excuses for the things that we don't get done. I don't know Uh. whether you've ever done it or not, but (laughs) I can procrastinate not doing things that I know I should do and putting them off and doing the things that are fun and I like to do. Do you ever get into those kind of habits? Oh, all too easily, all too often. You know, and the irony is, is I'm actually a life coach that helps other people get unstuck and get things done. At least when you hire me as a coach, you know you have someone who understands. <laughs> because you do, you do. It's too easy to get stuck in your ruts and and our ruts are rarely productive, right? Our ruts are almost always unproductive. Absolutely. And so, you know, a lot of folks will encourage you to set goals. How do you do that, Rachel? What's the way to go about finding out what are goals, how do we set them, and how do we make sure that we're in line with God? It's a balance. Well, most of us have dreams and aspirations. Most of us have things that we want to get done and things that need to get done. I think the harder part of your question is the question of how do you know what it is God wants you to get done? That's the big one. You know, that's the one that Christians in in America spend a lot of time, it seems, trying to figure out what is my calling in life? You know, what does God want me to do? And so, you know, that opens up a whole nother box of fun than just simply the, the question of how do I get myself motivated and get myself accomplishing the things that need to get done? You know, that is true. And I think too often when we sit there and think about it, contemplate it, wonder about it, we just sit there frozen and we stare Mm -hmm. off into space and we don't get anything done because we're contemplating. We kind of think that God is just going to move heaven and earth and write in the sky what we should do. So we're kind of staring off and we're not really Mm -hmm. taking the initiative ourselves. Absolutely. We get paralyzed. Um, We get paralyzed by the idea of, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what God wants me to do. And so we do nothing. I think of a friend of mine who came to Christ and had been, you know, in Christ and in church for many years, um, years before I came to Christ. I remember a conversation she and I had many years ago where, you know, I said to her, why is it that you don't get involved? Why don't you serve or volunteer anywhere? You're single and you're able-bodied and you're on fire for the Lord. You know, why don't you serve? And she said, well, I don't know what it is that God wants me to do. And I don't want to do the wrong thing. So I just don't do anything until I'm sure what the right thing is. I said back to her, how do you know that you're going to do the wrong thing? She says, well, I don't know. And that's the thing. I don't want to have to answer to God at the end of my life or having spent it doing the wrong thing. And of course, I understand that feeling. I can totally track with that. But then I said back to her, how do you know you're not going to have to answer at the end of your life for not doing anything? 
That's a very great point. You know, God uh, gives us abilities and he gives us the uh, direction, you know, throughout his word. And God is always at work. If you look around your circumstances, no matter where you are, God is at work. He's doing things all around you. And he's just wondering, are you going to get involved? I think your question was perfect. Are you going to step in and make a difference in my kingdom by getting involved? I think a lot of times we get analysis paralysis. We sit Mm -hmm. there and we think about it. And you have a verse from Ecclesiastics that I think is just perfect. Would you read that for us? Yes, I love, love, love this verse. Um, This is from Ecclesiastes 11.4. And um, this is what it says. It says, he who watches the wind will not plant, and he who stares at the clouds will not reap. Now, when I first came across this verse, my initial reaction was, this has nothing to do with me. I am not a farmer. And I don't watch the wind. I go inside and shut the door like a normal person who doesn't want to be in the wind. It'll mess up her hair. So, um, and I don't watch the clouds. I watch TV. So I'm like, this has nothing to do with me. But as I meditated on that verse and began to study it, I realized it's speaking directly to me. It's speaking right to my tendency to procrastinate, to spend my time staring around at, at the conditions of my life and waiting for conditions to be perfect before I act. So this verse, he who watches the wind will not plant and he who stares at the clouds will not reap. This is a picture of a farmer, which represents all of us, who is waiting for all the conditions to be perfect before they will act or before they will try. And conditions are never perfect in life. And if you're waiting for um, that burning bush to tell you exactly what you should do before you get involved at all, you might be waiting there a long time and then you're not going to reap. And that's how that verse ends that, you know, if you just spend your time waiting, analyzing, feeling paralysis and feeling, um, you know, paralyzed by not knowing what to do and not doing anything, you're going to get to the end of your life and you're going to realize that you didn't sow anything and you didn't reap anything. And that's a regret I don't want to have. Today, we're talking about goal setting, taking the initiative and trying to put into practice what does God want me to do? And, you know, throughout his word, he tells us that you have to plan before you can go. I mean, God, God is a God of order. And I love this quote from Oswald Chambers. He says, we are in danger of forgetting that we cannot do what God does and that God will not do what we can do. You know, God is waiting for us to get up and go do what we can do. And Philippians 2.12 says that we must work out our own salvation, which God has worked in us. I mean, that means that we've got to get in the habit of doing things. We've got to get out and do the difficult stuff. And it takes us getting up and beginning and setting goals and saying, okay, Lord, I see that you're working over here. I want to get involved in that. I think your advice to your friend about looking around and finding where God's already working and plugging in somewhere is great advice. 
Yes, and you know that phrase that you just used comes straight from Henry Blackaby's famous Bible study called Experiencing God. I love that study. That was very freeing to me as a young Christian when I when I read that, which you know was that advice you just gave us. Look around and see where God is already working. Where is he moving? What does God appear to be doing? Then you go and join him in that work rather than you sitting around waiting to figure out what work he wants to do in and through and with you, you look for what he's already doing and go be a part of that because that is very clearly his will, what you see him already doing. I think that's very freeing. You know, it keeps us from hesitating. Too often we we want to hesitate because we don't want to take the wrong step, but God is saying, will you just take the first step? If you take the first step, then I will go with you. You know, throughout the Bible, when God When Jesus was healing people, he would say, pick up your mat and walk. Well, the guy had to get up and pick up his mat, right? He had to take some initiative and do something. And God is telling us when he made the blind man see, he told him to go wash his eyes and he would see. That's what he's telling us to do. Take the first step and I'll show up. You know, you show me that you're willing to set some goals, that you're willing to move where I'm moving, and I will be there lighting up the next step for you to take. But you got to get out of the boat and take a step. Yes. And you know, whenever I read in the book of Proverbs, I love to read in Proverbs for two reasons. One is when I read through the book of Proverbs, I get a very clear picture of what a wise life looks like and what a foolish wife. And I'm saying life with an L and not wife, but there is some advice in there about what wives look like too. (laughs) Um, so that helps me know, you know, does my life look and my decisions and my thought processes look more like the wise person pictured in Proverbs, or does it look more like the fool pictured in Proverbs? And there are plenty of verses in Proverbs that talk about getting up, not being lazy, not rolling over in your bed. And that's the other reason I like to read Proverbs is because I like to roll over in my bed. I like to go back to sleep. When things get too stressful, I like to go to sleep again and take a nap. So, you know, I like to read Proverbs for that reason. It teaches us to be diligent and to work hard and to not take the easy way which is often the foolish way, the get rich quick. You know, you don't have to do anything. Just act before midnight tonight and give me your credit card and it'll all be great. (laughs) We're talking about taking the initiative, setting goals, and how do we know when those goals are God-driven? Hey, it's Rachel and Luann at your Encouragement Cafe table, and we get it. We have been where you are. We all are walking on this path going, Lord, help us to balance out. I mean, I, I read self-help books, and they're, they're great for getting you up and getting you moving. But as Christians, we want to make sure that we're moving in the right direction, right? So it, it, when we talk about how do we make sure that we're doing what God is uh, in charge of, and we don't wander off in the wrong direction, and we're not careless with our decisions. When last year... When God told me to lay down some things that were dividing me, I mean, as I read through scripture, which I think is key when we're making decisions on where does God want me to go and how does he want me to set my goals, when he told me to lay some other things down in my life, it was kind of scary. But when I did that, I burned some bridges behind me. 
So I couldn't turn Mm. around and grab that security blanket and say, well, maybe God really didn't tell me that. Uh, Maybe that's really not what he meant. No, when he told me to undivide my life, I gave my business to my son. So I couldn't turn around and grab a hold of that business again. I no longer have it. So when God is calling us and he's telling us, set your goals, set your eyes on me, take the next step, and then don't look behind you. Everything behind you is yesterday. I'm going to take you to someplace new. I'm going to show you where I want you to go next. But I need you to look around and see what, what I'm doing and where I've plugged you in. And then don't be afraid to take a step. I've got this thing. He will absolutely guide us if we are willing to let go of the things that we call security blankets and God Mm -hmm. is saying I want you to take the initiative set some goals and when I point you in a direction take the first step and don't look back so you're talking about the time in your life um, about a year ago when you chose to go all in with encouragement cafe right that's right I mean I let go of a lot of security you did. It was a risky, it was a risky, bold move. But you know what? In a way, it wasn't because you saw where God was already working and you joined him in it. And I think that's the principle that we keep circling back around to. But we're also talking, you know, about big decisions. That was a huge decision in your life to give up uh, the businesses that had supported you for so long in order to work more in ministry. But sometimes, you know, it's a matter not just of the big things in the life, like what job should I be working or what career or field should I be in? Sometimes it's just a matter of getting things done that you don't necessarily want to do. You know, we're talking today about goal setting and, and um, you know, getting things done. And so on the smaller level, sometimes, Luann, I'll just confess right here and there, I think it was like three years that I didn't go to the dentist because I just never bothered to call and make the appointment. It would pop into my head every now and then, you know, and I had the ability to, to pay for a dental cleaning and I should have gotten one. I just didn't because I never got around to it. And there are probably hundreds of things like that. We could, you, me, and all of our listeners could sit down and make a list. There's probably a hundred things that we have been putting off for years um, that we know needs doing. You know, have you checked the batteries in your smoke detector lately? (laughs) So how do I get it in gear? You know, how do I, without overwhelming myself, you know, how do I get this stuff done? That's sort of a a question that I um, have to, that I'm asked repeatedly as I'm uh, coaching others and, you know, as I'm trying to be um, productive within my own life. So what's your tips for getting yourself kind of going on your to-do list, Luann? How do you do that when you're not feeling like doing that? There are habits that we need to create. I mean, God is not going to force us to do things that only we can do. He's not going to force us, but he says, will you get up and do it? So I think of second Peter one five that says, add to your faith virtue. And it means we got to get in the habit of doing things. We've got to make ourselves do the things that we really don't want to do. And there are many days that I just want to roll over and go back to bed too. But God says, I need you to do what I've called you to do. 
in one way, Rachel, I think it helps if you surround yourself with like-minded people who spur you Mm -hmm. on. You know, for me, with the Encouragement Cafe team, there's always somebody who's down and there's always somebody who's up. So it helps when you're down, you know that somebody else is going to spur you on and then later it's going to flip-flop. One thing is to surround yourself with people who are trying to do the right thing too. They're trying to find and work out their own salvation and they're trying to make good habits. And that way we're all pulling together. I mean, God has never called us to walk this road alone. So one thing that I do is I try to get encouragement from others and I try to give encouragement to others to keep going when it gets tough, keep going. That's so important to have that encouragement, that network of people. And I do love how, you know, when somebody's down, somebody else is up and you can count on that and um, you can count on them for prayer and encouragement. One of my tactics is what I call club my ug, which sounds very caveman like of me, um, but I call it club my ug which is, you know, when I feel like I'm not getting things done or I feel like I've been putting a bunch of things off and I sit down and I try and jot down a list of, of those things that need to get to, to need to get done. And then I look at the one that is the worst on the list, the one that makes me go ugh the most. And then I make myself do that first. Um, so I call that clubbing my ugh because usually if I tackle the worst, most dreaded thing first, everything else is all all downhill after that. It's easier. So I create forward momentum that way. And for me, that works because I need that forward momentum of feeling like, well, if I can if I can club that, I can tackle anything today. And, you know, the worst is already behind me. So let's just keep going. Oh, I love that. And don't you have this sense of accomplishment when you do that one thing. And maybe maybe you just have a whole list of small things. You don't really have any great big thing on your list to do, but when you start doing it, it does cause the momentum and you go, "Yeah, I used to call that my touchdown moments." When I was a single mom, I worked on commission. And I remember mm-hmm. having an old refrigerator that had a knife as a handle. I mean, it was shoved in there and you had to wiggle it really hard. It was like one of those old rounded top refrigerators. Uh And I really did not like that thing at all. And so I found a picture in a Sears catalog of a refrigerator that I wanted and it cost quite a bit. And so I cut that picture out and I put it on my old refrigerator and I looked at that. Well, if I did nothing but look at what I wanted and didn't really set goals on how to achieve it, I would get depressed. So I looked at it and I said, okay, how much is that going to cost? And how much will it take for me to sell to make the commission I need to buy it extra over and above what I'm currently doing? And so I worked it out and I realized, okay, now I need to figure out when do I want it? Well, I want it in six weeks. So that means if I break it down into six portions and then I take those six portions and break them down by day, then I said, oh, this is a small daily achievement. I could do this because it's something small that I can grab onto and I can do. And in six weeks, I bought a new refrigerator. 
I cut it down into bite-sized pieces. That's the most classic goal-setting advice I could ever offer. Absolutely. You know, you had a vision for what you wanted. You placed that vision in front of you. You didn't stare at the clouds. You looked at where you were headed. You broke it down into manageable pieces, and then you took it day by day, and you did not stop until you had your goal. Um, that's excellent example of, of goal setting. And I don't think for something like that, you have to stop and necessarily ask, Lord, do you know, do you want me to buy this fridge or not buy this fridge? Should I buy this fridge? Should I not buy this fridge? You know, sometimes we need to, um, you know, stop and really agonize, but sometimes, you know, I think it's perfectly fine in life. If we have a fridge that has a knife for a handle, I think it's okay to assume God wants us to have a different fridge. And you know what I was able to do? I was able to give my old fridge to someone who didn't have a fridge at all. And they were thrilled to death to have the old one. So, you know, God is always at work and he's always in, in the business of teaching us how to do what he's gifted us to do and then help others along the way. So today, as we're talking about goal setting and taking initiative, I mean, there's something thrilling about achieving those goals and finding that at the end of it, everybody wins and you learn how to make better habits. You learn how to get out of bed and get yourself going. You don't need someone else pushing you. You just need to say, I've got the ability to do this. Now I'm going to get up and do it. And I'm going to feel so much better once I do. Absolutely. You know, um, you, there's a saying that I hear quite often, and I think it's, um, it's become a saying because it contains some truth, and that is, the best way to reach your goals is to help someone else reach theirs. And that's kind of what you were saying there about, you know, someone else got blessed by your old refrigerator and maybe they'll pick out a, a Sears catalog and and they'll learn um, to uh, to work their way to their next one as well. And then that fridge might get passed along again. Uh, sometimes when we help others and we bless others, I think we find that um, the blessings and the help that we need flow to us. Just like you were saying with the uh, Encouragement Cafe team, sometimes one of us is down, but the other one of us is up and we just reach out that hand and give a tug and we know sooner or later we're going to be the one being pulled up. And that is what setting an initiative in your head and in your heart and saying, Lord, teach me what this day is all about in your kingdom. You know, one time it wasn't about money or or buying anything at all. It was about God sharing with me that I needed to thank a lot of people in my life. And I bought a lot of thank you cards. And every day I sat there and said, okay, Lord, highlight in my brain who you want me to thank today. And I wrote a handwritten card every day. And I just sent those out in obedience, taking a step. And boy, Rachel, I can't even begin to tell you the stories that poured back in to my life and blessed me because God blessed those people by getting a thank you card at just the right moment when they needed it. How cool mm. is it mm-hmm. when we get into the groove of what God is doing? 
that what a great idea to send thank you cards to all the people that have helped you get where you are, blessed you in some way. And I think that's the kind of thing that we can hear and we can nod and say, oh, I would like to do that someday. That would be really neat. And then never do it. I love that you, um, you know, you did take the initiative to buy those cards, to sit down every day and make yourself um, ask God, who do I write to today? And then write it and stamp it and mail it. It's habits, it's initiative, it's goal setting, and it's doing what God has called us to do. Hey, I hope today that you find the initiative to ask God, what is it, Lord, you want me to do next? And then go do it. May the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at encouragementcafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time.